Well, good morning, church. We hope you're doing good today. Stand and worship with us.
Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. But it looks to me like weakness is the canvas for strength. My story isn't over, my story's just begun. Failure won't define me, that's what my father does. Failure won't define me, that's what my father does. Was not the end game, the journey's where you are. You never want it perfect, you just wanted my heart. And the story isn't over, if the story isn't good. Failure's never final with the fight's in. Failure's never final.
Prodigals come home The helpless find hope Love is on the move When the Father's in the room Prison doors swing wide The dead come to life Love is on the move When the Father's in the Come on, let's sing this Miracles take place The cynical find faith Love is breaking through When the Father's in the room Jericho walls are quaking The strongholds now are shrinking Love is breaking through When the Father's in the room Love is, love is, love is breaking through When the Father's in the room May your burdens die Here in the Father's house Check your stream out the door It ain't welcome Should have fallen this 
There is no other name but the name that is Jesus. He who was and still is and will be forever. Should I fall in the space between all the things I see and this reckoning? worship. So let's worship him this morning. God, you are so good. You are mighty. You are glorious, majestic, beautiful. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. We worship you this morning and we lift your name on high. Jesus Christ is the only name given to us in which we find salvation for our souls. So we pray, Lord, that you would open the eyes of unbelievers, that you would open their eyes to see your goodness and your truth, and we pray that you would open their ears to hear the goodness of God, the gospel that saves, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our Lord, our Savior, we worship you this morning, and we thank you for your goodness. You are so good to us. Even when we are on our worst days, when we fail you, you are so good to us. You are always faithful, and we worship you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Life Community Church. Uh, it is, we're so happy that you have joined us online. We hope that you are blessed by this morning. 
Uh, my name is William Agundes. I'm the Student Life Pastor here at Life Community Church, and we want to welcome you to our virtual family. We're hoping that uh, very soon we're going to have uh, in-person services. We can't wait for that day to, to come, and we are very, very excited about that. So if you are a guest this morning, uh, we hope that you are blessed. You were blessed by the worship and then also by the preaching of the word by our pastor, Randy Hewitt. So here he comes. I was not ready. Good morning. How you doing? It's good to be here today. Good to be here with you. I hope you're having a, hope you're having a better week this week and hope you're having a good time. Uh, I enjoyed the worship time today. I, uh, that new song, In the Father's House, it's kind of a unique, different song, isn't it? And uh, Tina, was, Tina was talking about how our grandkids, Etta, Etta being the, the oldest grandkid, uh, one of the things that she'll sometimes say, uh, she says when she's uh, at home and it's time to go to bed, she says, I won't go to Papa's house. I won't go pop his house. Now, when she's at our house, she says at bedtime, when we're trying to put her to bed, she says, I won't go home. <laughs> uh, but the, you know, she's looking for a delay, but also there's a sense of that, that, you know, there's, there's, there's a, another, uh, an, <laughs> there's an advocate in my place. There's someone that's on my side and I'm, I'm looking for that. I'm looking for someone that's on my side and, uh, the Father is on our side. If God is for us, who can be against us? Yea, in all these things, the Bible says, we're more than conquerors through him who died for us. He lived for us and died for us. So today we're starting a new series. We, we uh, finished up on the life of David. William preached last week. Thank you, William. Did a great job last week. He talked about marriage. And uh, we're going to now be in the kingdom of God, be talking about what the kingdom of God means, how it operates in our lives I think, I think for a lot of us, it's, a, it's, it's like a term that's out there. We've heard it. We've heard sermons about it. And, uh, and we kind of know what it means, but we're not real confident about it and how it operates in our lives. And so we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a term that is mentioned in the Gospels 126 times. Uh, and most of those mentions of the kingdom of God are by Jesus. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. The rest of the New, T New Testament, uh, the kingdom of God is mentioned 34 times. Uh, so we find that Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom. So what does the kingdom of God mean? Well, the kingdom of God just very basically means that there is a kingdom and God is the king. We don't, we don't think about uh, you know, in America, we don't think about kingdoms and kings the way in history they would have thought about the kingdom, but a, a, a king has a kingdom. A king has an area where he rules and reigns. In the same way, here's what Psalm 103, 19 says. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. The, the by the basic meaning of the word kingdom in the Bible is God's kingly rule, his reign, his action, his lordship, his sovereign governance. So everywhere that God is in control. So as believers, what we have, have believed in, we've believed in the kingdom, and we have invited 
Jesus to be our king. So when you invite Jesus to be your king, you come into the kingdom. So we are a part of the kingdom of God. So, so Jesus begins his ministry talking about the kingdom. So we're going to talk about the kingdom for the next uh, several weeks. Uh, we're going to talk about how the kingdom, the kingdom of God in you. Jesus said the kingdom of God is in you. So how does, how does the rule and reign of Christ affect us? We're going to talk about the kingdom of God in the family what the rule and reign of God in the family means. We're going to talk about the kingdom of God in the church. And we're going to talk about the kingdom of God in the world, how, how the kingdom of God expresses itself in, in the world. So we'll be talking about that. So this is how Jesus began his ministry. Uh, Mark 1, 14. Now, after John had been taken into custody, now John the Baptist had gone preaching, preaching the kingdom and he was preaching the gospel of repentance. He said, repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. John was preparing the way. Uh, Jesus came into Galilee. So after John was put into prison, Jesus then came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying three things I want to talk about today. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So Jesus said these three things. He said, the time is at hand. The time is fulfilled. The time is here. It's complete. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So the time is fulfilled. Jesus is saying, the time for the Messiah has come. He was saying, the time that you've been waiting for, the time that's been prophesied the, you know the old testament is 30 percent prophecy so the old testament prophesied of the coming messiah god was vague enough and he does this on purpose god is vague enough in the prophecy that after it's fulfilled it makes perfect sense but before it is mysterious we don't we're not we're not able to exactly know what it means we can look back with 2020 vision and say oh well that's what it meant but and it was fulfilled exactly the way it was supposed to be fulfilled. But when we're in the midst of it, it's just like as we read the book of Revelation and we think about when Jesus is coming back, you know, because, because Revelation speaks in, as a mystery, there are people that have all kinds of guesses and all kinds of things about when Jesus is coming back. They're very sure about prophecy. You know when we'll be sure, exactly, positively sure of what the book of Revelation means when Jesus comes back. He is coming back. So the Old Testament's about prophecy. And Jesus says, hey, the time is complete. The time is fulfilled. It's the, the, it's the exact right moment. There, is, there, are, there are chronos moments and there are chronological moments. There are moments of time like, that pass like seconds on a watch. And there are chronos, specific moments, divine moments, you know, like the moment when a baby is born, that's, that is a specific moment of, in time. That is a chronos moment. We mark those moments. We think about those moments. We call, we call them birthdays. Yeah, there were a lot of days, and there's going to be a lot of days in between those birthdays, but we, we recognize those and, as, as special. And th that's what Jesus is saying. This is, this is not just chronological that it's, well, time has passed. He said, this is the divinely ordained moment. 
this is the birthday of the kingdom of God. This is the moment of the kingdom of God's arrival. And so he's saying, this, this is it. This is the, and the arrival of the kingdom of God is with the arrival of the king. So Jesus, as the Messiah, has come. This is what you've been waiting for, John 1, 19. I think it's very interesting how John deals with this. He's the one who sent before. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So they came from Jerusalem to ask him in the wilderness as he's teaching and baptized the wilderness, who are you? Are you the Christ? And he said, no. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? Raised from the dead? And he said, I am not. And are you the prophet? No. And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. He said, I'm just a messenger. I'm just sent to prepare the way. Then John 1.32, it talks about that John was there when he baptized Jesus. And it was a particularly unique experience. John says this. John testified saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him. Now that's interesting to me. It should be interesting to you because John is saying, I didn't recognize my cousin Jesus. So, I'm not sure what all that means, uh, but I think it's interesting. Uh, I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, God who sent me to baptize in water, he upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. John says in verse 34, I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. Then, John gets thrown into prison. And so from prison, he sends his disciples to go and ask Jesus. Now, when John, while in prison, heard of the works of Christ, so from the time that John was in prison, Jesus has begun his ministry. And he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one, or should we look for someone else? Now, isn't that interesting? Because John saw the Spirit of God descend on Jesus and remain on him, and he, he heard the voice from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. But now he's in prison, and he's wondering, did I imagine that? Did I make all that? Was that a, was that a dream? Did that really happen? So now he's questioning And he says to them, are you the Messiah? Or should we look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to him, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. You see, the early church, not the church yet, Israel, Jerusalem, was looking for the Christ. They were expecting, the scripture had told them to expect a Messiah. They're expecting a Messiah. And they're, 
They, and of course, they have, they have envisioned the kind of Messiah they want him to be. They want a Messiah that's going to come and establish a kingdom that will crush the Romans because living under the Romans was hard and difficult and they persecuted the Jews and they randomly killed people. They took property. Their taxes were, their taxes were so severe that most people by this point of the rule of the Romans had lost all of their own possessions to the, to the state. They'd been taxed to death. So the first disciples Jesus calls, notice their terminology, John 1.40. One of those who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother Simon and said to him, we found the Messiah. They've been, they're longing for the Messiah. The Samaritan woman, when Jesus talked to the woman at the well in Samaria, and the Samaritans had rebelled against the rule of God and had created their own Yahweh-like worship in Samaria. And so there was this great 700-year conflict between uh, Israel and, and uh, Samaria. And they, you know, but they both hated each other because they each felt the other was wrong. Uh, the Samaritan woman said, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said, I am he. I'm the one that you're speaking to. I'm that guy. Uh, Martha at the tomb of Lazarus said, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes in the world. When Peter was at Caesarea Philippi and Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Jesus said, Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You see, the nation of Israel, they were longing. They were looking for the Messiah. They were waiting to, for this oppressive Roman rule to be crushed. And so they're, they're, they're waiting. Jesus comes on the scene and he says, it's here. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God. We began the age of the kingdom of God when the king came on the scene. So we are now living in the age of the kingdom of God. Of course, Israel had no parameters for an eternal kingdom. Jesus came to establish a kingdom that had never been seen before. And it's a kingdom that is an eternal, both physical and spiritual kingdom. And all they had ever seen and all that we've ever seen before that was a physical kingdom. They had they'd heard of the... They'd heard of the reign of David, and they'd heard of the reign of Solomon, and they had seen certainly the reign of Caesar. So their, their parameters of a king were physical, and Jesus came to establish a kingdom that is beyond physical and beyond temporary because all earthly kingdoms are temporary because the kings die. But Jesus came as the eternal one, the one who rose from the dead, he came to establish an eternal kingdom. So then Jesus comes to announce the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, the time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand, which is to say, it's within your grasp. It's, in, it's within hand. It's, it's here. You can get a hold of it. And, we, and he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, 
and this was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. Now, I've talked about this before, and I want to say something about this. Some of you who are listening today probably have not gone to church for a very long time because you have not found a church that is good enough. One, you know, think about it. Is there a church that perfectly aligns with your idea of what a church should be, what they should do and how they should do it and how they should spend their money and how they should take up their money and what songs they should sing and how they sing their songs and how loud they sing their songs and how many songs they sing and are they too young? Are they too old? Is there a mixture? Are they, are they too white? Are they too black? Are they too brown? Is the music too loud? Is it not loud enough? There's, we all have these parameters. So a lot of people have, or, or they've been hurt in church. If you've been hurt in church, then welcome to the club. Because Jesus was hurt. And Paul was hurt by the church. But he didn't quit because of it. I've been hurt by Walmart. I still go. I've been offended by several restaurants, by their service and their food. I'm still eating. It's funny how we allow the enemy to choose the things that we are separated, we separate ourselves from, and God wants you to be a part of his spiritual family. He wants you to be a part of his body, the church. And it's one of the things we're all really missing right now is this ability to come together as the church. And here's what's this is so incredible to me. Here is Jesus, God in the flesh, God of very God, perfect theology. I mean, perfect in every way. He goes to the synagogue, which was his custom. It was his habit. Now you think about this. This is Nazareth. This isn't the temple in Jerusalem. This is little backwater Nazareth that everyone kind of despised. And maybe there's 50 people in this room, in this synagogue, and I don't know if you recognize this, but the synagogue has no biblical basis. There's no place in the Bible where it says, hey, if you can't make it to the temple, build a synagogue instead in your town so that you'll be able to worship me instead. There's, there's not even an Old Testament suggestion of a synagogue. It is a construct of compromise for people who have lost access to the temple, and they did for hundreds of years, and so they developed the synagogue. But Jesus endorses this desire to gather in the name of Yahweh and at the same time gather in the name of Yahweh and honor his word. And he makes it a, a habit, a custom to meet with him. And you got to know, he's got to look around and he's thinking, man, that guy's an adulterer. <laughs> this guy cheats. He's greedy. He knows everything everybody's doing. He's still showing up. Because you're never going to find a perfect place. So if you're not in church, here's what I'm saying all this to say this. If you're not in church, when we can gather again, when, when, all, when the fog is lifted and we're able to gather again, go to church. Go to as good a church as you can find. But give up on perfect. Because if it's perfect, you'll screw it up the minute you start attending. 
You cannot expect jars of clay to create perfect. Only God is perfect. So here's, here's the, I come back from this. If Jesus needed this, if Jesus believed this was a value, so do I. We believe Jesus prayed, so we say, well, Jesus prayed, we ought to pray. Uh, Jesus loved, we ought to love. Jesus forgave, we ought to forgive. Jesus went to church. An imperfect, struggling group of people who were trying to find God and stumbling along their way. And that's where we all are. So Jesus goes in to the church and he gets the book. The book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and said, the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He is saying today. The kingdom of God is here, and the tyranny of darkness and evil is being broken, and I am establishing my reign now. He said, I'm going to break the power of the enemy. God's come to rule and reign and claim all that is his. He's come to fulfill the law and the prophets. The kingdom has come. It has a king, and that king is Jesus. One, for 1 John 3, 8, the one who practices sin is of the devil. The devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Everywhere Satan has staked a claim in your life, he's claimed any territory, whether your past or your present. Jesus has come to destroy the works of the devil and declare his reign. He wants to say the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is available. It's, it's, it's there for you. Then he said, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent. Repent from what? I mean, what does he mean? I mean, now, John was baptizing, and they were come confessing their sins and John was baptizing them. Jesus is asking them to do something different than what John was asking them to do. John was preparing them. Jesus is the completion. Jesus is the kingdom. John is the preparation for the kingdom. So Jesus is not asking them to do what John asked them to do, confess their sins. But he is asking them to repent. And what's he asking them to repent of? See, the word repent just simply means to change direction. To repent means to recognize that you're going in the wrong direction. I mean, you know, I, I love these, I love, it's, I love the MAPS programs that we have today on our phones. I also hate them because sometimes they're wrong. <laughs> And sometimes they will take you the, the craziest way to get to a place. 
that you didn't need to go that way. And sometimes they get upset. Let's, you know, like you're, you're driving down the road and you need to pull off the road and get gas. You know, Siri's going to get upset with you. She's going to say, return to the route, return to the route. Just every chance at the, at the next intersection, make a U-turn. You know, you're saying, hey, I just want to stop at Subway and get a sandwich. Just Siri, give me a break here. And she, she won't, she won't. She doesn't want you to get off track. Well, the word repent means, you know, to get back on track. Get back on the map. Get back on the route. Get back on the destination. So Israel needed to change direction. Jesus is saying, I, you need to repent. You need to change direction. Israel was looking for a national solution. They were looking, for, they were looking to the law for a solution. They needed to repent of trying to earn God's approval and to believe that, that they were better than everybody else because they had, been, they had been given the law as a people. What Jesus said, Jesus said, repent and believe in the gospel. <laughs> and we, we know that the word gospel means good news. Jesus is saying, repent and believe that I am the solution. Now, this is interesting to me because when we, when we think about believe the gospel, I don't know what you think about when you, someone says to you, what is the gospel? But when, when someone says to me, what is the gospel? I tend to think that the gospel, I know it means good news, but I think about that it means that Jesus came and lived the life that I couldn't live because he lived a perfect life and I cannot live a perfect life. So Jesus came and lived the perfect life, a sinless life on my behalf. And then Jesus was crucified for me. He died for my sins. And then to prove that he had defeated sin, that he had overcome sin, that he was not worthy of death because you can't kill perfection. They killed Jesus, who they shouldn't killed, and in doing so, defeated themselves. The enemy defeated themselves, what they thought was going to be a way to destroy the work of God. Instead, they accomplished the work of God by killing Jesus, which Jesus came to do. He came to die for us. And so, then he rose from the dead. Then he ascended to the Father, and he sent back the Holy Spirit. Now, when we think of those components, those things, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension to the Father, him sending back the Holy Spirit, we think about that as the gospel. And it is good news. It is, it is the doctrine of salvation. But Jesus is saying this before this has happened. He's saying, believe in the good news. What's the good news? The good news is the king is here. The king is here, and he's here to establish his kingdom, and he's going to kick the devil's butt. He's going to defeat the power of the enemy. He says, hey, guys, there's good news. The king is here. He who believes in me, John 7, 38. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He's talking about you're gonna, there's, the life of God is going to flow through you. 
So what do you believe? I believe that you're the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. I believe that you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I believe you have the right to reign. Uh, recognizing that Jesus is king is recognizing that he has the right to reign. Do you believe that Jesus has the right to reign in your life? That he has the right, to, that he is the Lord of all. And that we declare him Lord of all, Lord of my life, in a sense to say, you are God and I am not. Because the essence of the rebellion, rebellion, the essence of the fall that Jesus came to overcome and establish the kingdom is man trying to make himself as God. Jesus came for us to come and submit to the one true God and submit our lives to the one true King. And I hope you've done that. I hope, I hope you've come to the point in your life where you realize that He is God and you're not. And that you have surrendered your life to the King and to His kingdom. And then we are in the process of letting the King rule and bring his reign. That's what we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about how he's going to rule in your heart, the things that we need to invite the kingdom. We need to invite the king to rule and reign. We're going to talk about what it means in every area of our life. If you haven't ever in your life asked Jesus to rule in your life, this is a great day to do it. This is a great day to accept what Jesus came and accomplished was our salvation. But believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Believe that he's able to save you. Believe that he is the Son of God. Believe that he is the Messiah, the Christ. Because Jesus said, whoever believes in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful that you came to usher in your kingdom. And you have invited us into your kingdom. You've invited us into your reign and your rule so that we can declare that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, I confess you as Lord. I believe you are my king. And I invite your rule and your reign into every corner and crevice of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Good to be with you today. Uh, we're tentatively looking at, we're going to start meeting together again on September the 13th. So, Lord willing, and the creeks don't rise, we'll be back together then. And we'll keep you updated. I love you. Can't wait to see you again. Bye. Okay. We're out.